When you're living in service, you don't have time to complain and criticize. When you're living in service, your fears go away. When you're living in service, you feel grateful. Your material attachments diminish. Service is the direct path to a meaningful life. Welcome to Philosopher Insights, the podcast that delivers wisdom in minutes a day that you can put into practice daily and strive to master over a lifetime. The podcast committed to sharing ideas that encourage you to bridge the gap between who you are today and the person you aspire to be in the future. Hi, my name is Herb Lamba and welcome to my podcast where I will share practical insights from the world's best authors. Knowledge isn't power, applied knowledge is. The quest to become the best version of you starts right now. Hi, and welcome to Philosopher Insights. My name is Herb Lamba. Today we're discussing Think Like a Monk. Train your mind for peace and purpose every day. The author of the book is Jay Shetty. This book was published in 2020. I want to share a number of my favorite insights from this book, starting with Monkey vs. Monk Mind, My Identity, Fear of Fear, Living Your Dharma, Invest in the Conscious Mind, The Ego Mask, A Life in Service, And what would a monk do? So let's start with the introduction. Quote, Why should we think like a monk? If you want to know how to dominate the basketball court, you might turn to Michael Jordan. If you want to innovate, you might investigate Elon Musk. You might study Beyonce to learn how to perform. If you want to train your mind to find peace, calm, and purpose, monks are the experts. Monks can withstand temptations, refrain from criticizing, deal with pain and anxiety, quiet the ego, and build lives that brim with purpose and meaning. Why shouldn't we learn from the calmest, happiest, most purposeful people on earth? Maybe you're thinking it's easy for monks to be calm, serene, and relaxed. Maybe you're wondering, how could thinking like a monk help me here in the modern world? End quote. That is from the introduction from Jay Shetty's incredible book. Jay was introduced to a monk in his school years, and it had such a profound impact on him, that after college, he traded in his suits for robes and joined the ashram, where he was sleeping on floors and living out of a locker. In this book, Shetty refers often to the Bhagavad Gita, Songs of God. It is considered a timeless and universal life manual. Quote, In this book, one of my goals is to help you connect with its timeless wisdom, along other ancient teachings that were the basis of my education as a monk and that have significant relevance to the challenges we face today, end quote. Jay Shetty grew up in a family where you could become one of three things, a doctor, a lawyer, or a failure. His family was convinced he had chosen option three. Instead of attending his college graduation ceremony, he headed to India to become a monk, to meditate every day for four to eight hours, and devote his life to helping others. Shetty spent three years as a monk, and his spiritual guide told him the greatest thing he could do was to learn the teachings of the monk and teach what he learned to the world. That is exactly what Jay has set out to do, and this book delivers on that promise. Insight number one, monkey mind versus monk mind. Quote, it's helpful to draw a contrast between the monk mindset and the ancient Buddhist concept of the monkey mind. Our minds can either elevate us or pull us down. Today we all struggle with overthinking, procrastination, and anxiety as a result of indulging the monkey mind. The monkey mind switches aimlessly from thought to thought, challenge to challenge, without really solving anything. But we can elevate to the monk mindset by digging down to the root of what we want and creating actionable steps for growth. The monk mindset lifts us out of confusion and distraction and helps us find clarity, 
meaning, and direction, end quote. Many of us are familiar with the monkey mind, as we live with it every day of our lives, but few appreciate or pursue the monk mind, yet they should if they want more happiness and stability in their own lives. Most people look outside of themselves and focus on what they cannot control, which results in blaming, frustration, and a feeling of a disempowerment. That is the monkey mind at work. The much better option is to look inside us and focus on the one thing that we can control, with practice, that is, and that is our mind. We learn to change the way we see things, the stories we tell ourselves, and learn to control what we focus on. Quote, The goal of monk thinking is a life free of ego, envy, lust, anxiety, anger, bitterness, baggage. To my mind, adopting the monk mindset isn't just possible, it's necessary. We have no other choice. We need to find calm, stillness, and peace. End quote. Insight number two, my identity. Quote, in 1902, the sociologist Charles Horton Cooley wrote, I am not what I think I am, and I am not what you think I am. I am what I think you think I am. Let that blow your mind for a moment. Our identity is wrapped up in what others think of us, or, more accurately, what we think others think of us, end quote. Wow, what an absolutely staggering insight. Most of us are living our lives by tailoring it to meet the ideals of others. Your own identity becomes so layered that you no longer know who you really are. And if you're not careful, you end up spending your life living up to what others think of you, even if it comes at the expense of your own values. I just love this line by Jay Shetty, quote, I had three career options doctor, lawyer, or failure, end quote. I believe that sums up the identity crisis perfectly. How many people buy into that lie and end up choosing a career to satisfy their parents? You hear parents walking around proudly saying, my son is a cardiologist, or my daughter is a powerful attorney at a prestigious law firm. Why do we let what we do for a living define who we are as people? Insight number three, fear of fear. Quote, we let our fear drive us, but fear itself is not our real problem. Our real problem is that we fear the wrong things. What we should really fear is that we miss the opportunities that fear offers. Often, we notice fear is warning but ignore its guidance. If we learn how to recognize what fear can teach us about ourselves and what we value, then we can use it as a tool to obtain greater meaning, purpose, and fulfillment in our lives. We can use fear to get to the best of us, end quote. Fear is inevitable in life, but how we respond to it can be a true difference maker. Many of us won't do something because we're afraid, end of story. However, fear should never be viewed as a sign to stop what you're doing. It really should be a flashing bright sign that encourages you to go in that direction. You fear it because it matters to you. Quote, we waste a lot of time and energy trying to stay in the comfortable bubble of our self-made biospheres. We fear the stresses and challenges of change, but those stresses and challenges are the wind that makes us stronger, end quote. That reminds me of a quote I have within my line of sight every day, which says, don't be afraid of change, be afraid of not changing. Shetty suggests that the cause of our fears is attachment whereas the cure for fear is detachment. Quote, When we track our fears back to their source, most of us find that they're closely related to attachment, our need to own and control things. End quote. 
Are you currently holding on to ideas about yourself? Do you often define yourself in terms of material possessions or your current standard of living? That is being attached to your fears because clinging to temporary things gives them power over you. Quote, We transform hurtful fears into useful fears by focusing on what we can control. We can't stop our parents from dying, but we can use the fear to remind us to spend more time with them. End quote. That is the definition of detachment. You cannot control all external events, all the bad things that may happen. But what you can control is your mind and leverage your monk mind to develop a clearer perspective. Fear often forces us to get lost in what if, but what we should be focusing on is what is. Don't judge the moment. Just accept the situation and place your focus on what you can control. Insight number four, living your dharma. Quote, when your natural talents and passions, your varna, connect with what the universe needs, seva, and become your purpose, you are living in your dharma. When you spend your time and energy living your dharma, you have the satisfaction of using your best abilities and doing something that matters to the world. Living your dharma is a certain route to fulfillment. End quote. The closest phrase to dharma would be your calling, and the only way you'll discover it if you choose to do so, is by evaluating those things that you're naturally good at and use it to serve others. The magic formula for Dharma is passion plus expertise plus usefulness equals Dharma. Sadly, this is not how most of us are taught to choose our lifelong profession. You fantasize about being a doctor, for example, but the reason it intrigues you is because of the respect and honor that doctors get in society. That is not connected to your Dharma. Quote, your dharma is already with you. It's always been with you. It's woven into your being. If we keep our minds open and curious, our dharmas announce themselves. End quote. Please understand, it can take years to discover your dharma, but we must not be deterred by the societal pressure to perform big right now. This not only creates anxiety in the moment, it forces many to believe there is no point in pursuing it. Quote, we all got a special genius inside of us but it may not be on the path that opens directly before us. There may be no visible path at all. Our dharmas don't hide, but sometimes we need to work patiently to recognize them. End quote. Insight number five, invest in the conscious mind. Quote, thoughts repeat in our minds, reinforcing what we believe about ourselves. Our conscious isn't awake to make edits. The narration playing in your mind is stuck in its beliefs about relationships, money, how you feel about yourself, how you should behave, and change begins with the words inside your head, end quote. One of the strategies that Shetty outlines in the book is reframing. Quote, we look for the worst in ourselves and tell ourselves that it'll never change. This is the least encouraging approach we could pick. Reframe your self-criticism in terms of knowledge. When you hear yourself say, I'm bored, I'm slow, I can't do this, respond to yourself. You are working on it. You are improving. End quote. I love that strategy. Although it's not easy, it's worth raising your awareness of the self-criticism and then attacking it with reality. You are making progress. Insight number six, the ego mask. Quote, an unchecked ego harms us. In our eagerness to present ourselves as the greatest and smartest, we hide our true natures. We are a certain person at home, alone, but we present the world with another version of ourselves. Insecurities make us want to convince ourselves and everyone else that we're special. So we contrive a dishonest version of ourselves 
in order to appear more knowledgeable, more accomplished, more confident. We present this inflated self to others, and we do everything we can do to protect it, the self we want others to perceive. End quote. The dreaded ego, if left unchecked, can steal your dreams and your happiness. Social media has taken this desire to promote a dishonest version of ourselves to a whole new level, and unfortunately, the younger generation will suffer more than any other because of it. If you want to truly know who you really are, think about the choices you make when you're alone, when there is nobody around to impress. At those moments, do you exercise or do you watch Netflix? Do you eat the salad or turn to the junk food? You are who you are when nobody is watching. I was reminded of this passage from Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. Quote, In this way, ego is the enemy of what you want and of what you have, of mastering your craft, of real creative insight, of working well with others, of building loyalty and support, of longevity, of repeating and retaining your success. It repulses advantages and opportunities. It's a magnet for enemies and errors. End quote. Quote, no matter who you are or what you've achieved, notice if you are expecting or demanding special treatment because of your presumed status. Nobody deserves a better seat in the theater of life. End quote. Love that. If you want to avoid being trapped by the ego, then learn to practice humility. A simple way to do this is to remember the times you failed and put less emphasis on what you achieved. Appreciate the journey to release gratitude. Humility is simply accepting where you are today without it being a reflection of who you are. Insight number seven, a life in service. Quote, in his lecture at my college, Garanga Das had inspired me when he said, quote, plant trees under whose shade you do not plan to sit, end quote. That sentence captivated me and launched me on a trajectory I had never imagined. I have to make a confession. I've been holding out on you. I haven't yet revealed the important lesson I learned as a monk, and one that I carry with me every day of my life. Drumroll, please. The highest purpose is to live a life in service. End quote. Garanga Das was the monk that Shetty learned from, and he shares his powerful lesson near the end of the book. Once you learn to let go of ego and recognize your value in this world, the next step is to seek out a higher level of service. Quote, the Bhagavad Gita sees the world as a kind of school, an education system structured to make us realize one truth. We are compelled to serve, and only in service can we be happy. End quote. The Bhagavad Gita is believed to be written around the 2nd century BCE, and you can get its translation in a book written by Eknat Eserwan. Here is a sample passage from that great book that says, quote, Strive constantly to serve the welfare of the world. By devotion to selfless work, one attains the supreme goal of life. Do your work with the welfare of others always in mind. End quote. In his great book, The Science of Being Great, author Wallace Waddle says, quote, The average person's idea of a great man, rather than one who serves, is of one who succeeds in getting himself served. End quote. Strive to live a life where you are in service to others. Aim to make the world a better place by putting your passion or gift to work in service to humanity. When will you be ready to serve? Quote, Take care of yourself, yes, but don't wait until you have enough time and money to serve. You will never have enough. There are three simple modes to describe our relationship with money and material wealth. The first is selfish. I want more, 
as much as I can get, and I want it for myself. The second is sufficiency. I have just enough to get by. I'm not suffering, but I have nothing to give. And the third is service. I want to give what I have, and I want more in order to give more. End quote. There is no time like the present to begin moving away from the selfish and sufficient mindset and transition to the service mindset. It really is the ultimate life hack. No matter what ails you today, the practice of experiencing the joy of service and not expecting anything in return. Quote, when you're living in service, you don't have time to complain and criticize. When you're living in service, your fears go away. When you're living in service, you feel grateful. Your material attachments diminish. Service is the direct path to a meaningful life. End quote. Final insight. What would a monk do? Quote, when you're making a decision, when you're having an argument, when you're planning your weekend, when you're scared or upset or angry or lost, ask this question. You'll find the answer 99% of the time. And eventually, when you've uncovered your real self, you won't even need to ask yourself what a monk would do. You can simply ask, what will I do? End quote. That's the final passage in the book. This was indeed one of the most challenging philosopher insights for me to complete. This book is filled with wisdom on every single page. I highly recommend this one and hope you can take one of these ideas and apply them to your life today. You've been listening to Philosopher Insights with your host, Herb Lamba. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To go deeper with me, you can register for free at www.philosopherinsights.com for instant access to a growing library of philosopher insights, which are 8 to 10 page PDFs, plus 20 minute MP3s that break down my favorite insights from the world's best personal development books. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Facebook at Optimal Herb. Thanks again. And I'll see you next time.